minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode 936 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. We are slowly creeping up towards 1,000 episodes, which seems absolutely insane to say. I am your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Joining me is the one and only Perry Goldstein. She is fresh off 10,000 followers on Twitter, 10K for Perry. You can find her on Packer Report, Game on Wisconsin, Packs What She Said, and like a thousand other things. I'm sure she's got a mean TikTok as well. Uh, also joining me is Alex Strofe, who's killing it with Game on Wisconsin, ESPN Madison, and other various endeavors. I'm sure his TikTok sucks, uh, but, you know, try to That's find him anyway. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for joining me. It is the first Sunday where we just experienced the first Sunday without football. The last time that we recorded uh, was episode 908 titled Bring on the Buccaneers. That did not age well. Yes. There were three uh, there were three exclamation points after Bring on the Bucks as well, uh, which also did not age well. But uh, Perry, I will start with you. How the heck are you doing? I'm good. I uh, yeah, to say that didn't age well is, I think, an understatement. I <laughs> wish anybody else would have come up to Lambo, but um, yeah, we're we're thick in the kind of boring stage of the off season, you know, pre free agency, pre draft. So it'll be kind of fun to chat about just some random Packers things today. It is JJ Watt season, Perry. There is nothing boring about JJ Watt season. I'm so sorry. You're so correct. <laughs> uh, Alex, how the heck are you doing? Dude, I'm good. But but on that note, like I was watching American Idol before we started recording. That's how bored I am. I mean, I, I don't have football on a Sunday night. I'm watching American Idol. Well, you know, American Idol's great, but it's it's no Sunday night football with Al Michaels. It is not. It is definitely disappointing that there is no football, but uh, that certainly does not stop us from talking 365 days about it, specifically about the Packers, because we have a ton to get to. And I know it was the first Sunday about football, but as I mentioned, it is J.J. Watt season. We're going to be going over some priorities of this offseason, what players we think are going to stay, which ones we think are going to leave. And of course, it wouldn't be an episode of me hosting the Packaday podcast without going into at least some sort of Tim Boyle diatribe. So we'll get to that as well. But uh, I think ma- the, the main noteworthy worthy topic outside of J.J. Watt this past weekend was, of course, David Bakhtiari restructuring his contract. Um, I posted out on Twitter a video of certainly some housekeeping items that Green Bay is going to have to take care of this offseason. And one A on that list was restructuring David Bakhtiari's contract. This was a given when he signed it originally. This was uh, a foregone conclusion. This was basically taking a roster bonus and turning it into a signing bonus, um, which just frees up money for those who are not super aware and don't want to get into the minutia of how contracts work. Uh, basically, a roster bonus or a uh, base salary is going to count all towards this upcoming season, whereas a signing bonus you can split through the rest of the contract. So, for example, if you've got a $16 million roster bonus that you wanted to split through four remaining years of the contract, $4 million would go towards each of those seasons instead of 16 just this year. 16 minus four by my abacus tells me that would leave uh, 12 million in savings and only 4 million on the cost for this year. That wasn't exactly the numbers for David Bakhtiari, but that is the structure and how it works. I know that's super boring. Alex and Perry, I will get to you and what you thought of this restructure. It seems more like housekeeping, but it certainly helps uh, with their salary cap this upcoming season. Perry, I'll start with you. 
Well, first of all, sir, you should get a calculator because abacuses <laughs> are way out of style. Um, yeah, back. I mean, <laughs> they're coming back. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll take you at your word. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's it was kind of a foregone conclusion. Anything that the Packers can do pretty easily, I guess, to free up about $8 million. I think they would take that decision. Um, and I think this was a kind of the only easy one. There there might be a few more restructures and maybe a few roster cuts coming up that um, they wouldn't necessarily decide to do, but have to this year to free up some space for the cap. But uh, I'm glad that they just kind of got this over with, uh, decided to do it. David Bakhtiari tweeted out a kind of funny little meme yesterday you know saying thank you or you're welcome for for doing this you know so uh, I think he was clearly on board and understood what this meant for the team so I'm glad they like I said just kind of got it out of the way and now they have to focus on some of the I think more tougher decisions 100% Perry I mean the tweet says it all doesn't it I mean you're welcome this dude's a team player it's good uh, you know long term it's good short term Uh, all around it's a fantastic move Andy I cut you off I knew you were going to say something really really smart no, no, that was perfect. I, I was just going to give out uh, $100 in, in Pack-A-Day points uh, to uh, whoever can tell me who was in that meme that David Bakhtiari, that GIF that David Bakhtiari posted of You're Welcome. Did any, anyone gather to take a guess? Perry, no. it's all you. Perry, no, it's I'm, all I'm you. Not, I'm not going to lie. I have no idea who it was. That is the one and only Damian Sandow from wrestling fandom WWE, who has not wrestled, I want to say, in a good five years. And he had a very good You're Welcome shtick going for a while in ah. WWE. So that was the the one and only Damian Sandow. I love the uh, I love the the kind of humor here from David Bakhtiari. And I'm not going to rip on David Bakhtiari in any way, shape or form. One, because he's amazing. Two, because he could completely kick my ass. Uh, but the, the funny thing here is this is uh, this is, like I mentioned earlier, kind of a foregone conclusion. Uh, David Bakhtiari takes no uh, less pay. In fact, uh, any signing bonus money gets paid out immediately. So if anything, you can actually kind of say that this benefits David Bakhtiari. So uh, thank you, David Bakhtiari, nonetheless, for just being you and for being amazing and uh, having a great contract and and being who you are. But uh, I don't know how much uh, we can thank you technically for a restructure that technically doesn't do anything other than what it was kind of supposed to in the first place. But like I said, certainly not willing to pick a fight with David Bakhtiari. Yeah, you know, you said something about, you know, what's funny. The the only thing that was funny in that entire spiel you just gave, Andy, was me having the mental image of David Bakhtiari kicking your ass. That would be (laughs) pure entertainment. It, you know, we just talked about WWE. Uh, I think yeah. that would be a, a perfect match. You know, David Box, I would prefer to be in like a tag team, uh, maybe with him instead of against him. But, yeah, that's bad. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there would be a lot of listeners out there that would also enjoy that image. So thank you for bringing that up, Alex. <laughs> and I know that's, that's going to bring us, of course, to our next topic, and that is the one and only J.J. Watts. And I want to be very clear to begin with. Uh, the restructure for David Bakhtiari does not clear salary cap space for J.J. Watt. This was not something that is... Is, you know, getting from point A to point B, uh, Green Bay is well below the salary cap. And as I mentioned on my video that I posted on Twitter, even a restructure of Bakhtiari, along with a new contract for Devontae Adams, potentially a restructure for Rodgers, along with releases of Rick Wagner and Christian Kirksey and Dean Lowry and Preston Smith, that just gets Green Bay some breathing space to basically fill out their draft class and maybe retain a free agent or sign a free agent. And that could potentially include a J.J. Watt 
squat, but there would be a ton of work to do to get to that point. However, however, on the good news here, uh, Bill Huber of Sports Illustrated did report that of those dozen teams that were initially reported that had interest in J.J. Watt, the Green Bay Packers are, in fact, one of those. Now, this could very much be one of those, you know, the Packers being involved in every single conversation. But I also think that this potentially does make sense if Green Bay can find a way to clear the money. This has kind of been the type of player that Green Bay's looked for, both with uh, Ted Thompson as well as Brian Gutekunst, Charles Woodson, Julius Peppers, even to an extent Jimmy Graham. Uh, you know, high-profile players who've had strong careers that are height, weight, speed sort of players uh, have been elite at their positions. And while they're getting older in age, they are veterans that can bring a, a veteran leadership, a locker room presence, yeah. and help get your team to the next level. Certainly Woodson did. Peppers was close in 2014. We won't get to that. Uh, and Jimmy Graham, unfortunately, was not the right signing and did not pay off. But these are the type of players that in this stage of their career, Green Bay does look at from time to time. So, Alex, I want to start with you. Why does this potentially make sense for Green Bay? Well, you just made a, a lot of that case, right? I mean, the veteran leadership, the the height, weight, speed. I, I like that. I don't know that I've ever heard that, but but I'm going to steal that because that makes a great point for what J.J. Watt is. As long as he can stay healthy, he's a great asset. Obviously, there's the hometown ties, him being a Pewaukee guy, going to Madison. Uh, his wife plays professional soccer in Chicago, so there's some personal life things. I know we've talked a lot about dating lives in the last two weeks, so we can, <laughs> we can cool the Jets on that part, but I mean, of course, that you know, that's that's a part of it. So overall, I'm more going to be on, on the Perry pessimism side because uh, I, I don't think that this makes a ton of sense, but I, I would love to see it happen. It's similar to, you know, like you mentioned, Woodson or um, or Julius Peppers. It would be a huge signing. It's just a matter of if it pays off. It just seems right now it's really unlikely. I think that's right. And Perry, before we get to some of that, that potential pessimism, I do think there's a couple other things that are worth noting here. First of all, um, as I mentioned uh, on the video version of the podcast earlier this week, um, one thing I think Green Bay is going to be potentially looking at is not for unrestricted free agents if they do eventually venture out and sign players, but rather released players. And the reason that is, is if Corey Lindsley and Aaron Jones and Kevin King and Jamal Williams and those guys leave, that's potentially four comp picks right there. And I think think maybe there's a chance that one of those could get into sure. the third, but likely more fourth, fifth, sixth round type of comp picks. But those are still very important picks uh, for Green Bay if they do lose those players. And you don't want to cancel those out by signing unrestricted free agents. So uh, there are also going to be a plethora of players who are released because of the salary cap situation that is currently out there. So with that in mind, with J.J. Watt being released, he would not count against the, those compensatory selections. So mm. uh, if it comes down to it, signing him could make some sense if you do think you are going to lose Lindsley and King and Jamal Williams, which we're all going to get to, and Aaron Jones, which we'll get to in just a moment. But I think it makes sense from that point. And then, sure. uh, of course, one of the other things, too, is, uh, you know, J.J. Watts made it no, you know, not unknown that one of the things he's looking for is a chance at a Super Bowl ring. And uh, yes, Green Bay came up a little bit short against Tampa Bay, but they are still going to be one of the key contenders. And no matter what happens this offseason, which players come, which players leave, they have 
premium players at all the premium positions, including Rodgers at quarterback, Bakhtiari at left tackle, eventually when he gets back from injury, Adams at wide receiver, um, obviously Zadarius Smith at pass rusher, Jair Alexander at corner. You have premium players at premium positions, and I think that goes a very long way into being a contender year in and year out. And certainly adding, oh, and, oh by the way, Kenny Clark, and adding uh, J.J. Watt to that uh, certainly doesn't help either. But um, Perry, what are some things of, you know, some reasons maybe why this doesn't make sense or doesn't happen? Well, uh, while we're talking, <laughs> while we're talking about money and the cap, um, the Packers are pretty cap strapped, which I think anybody listening probably knows because that's all Twitter will talk about. And yes, I know <laughs> fun to talk about the fact that the Packers don't have a ton of money and you can make any argument you want about how, quote, the cap doesn't exist, end quote. Um, That's not true. And, you know, clearly they're going to have to make some serious moves. I think the David Bakhtiari uh, and Andy, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but it puts the Packers at somewhere in the mid 30 range in salary cap. And so going after J.J. Watt would be probably the only move that they would be able to do this offseason. And while it would be one of those kind of blockbuster additions, a la Charles Woodson, Julius Peppers, Reggie White, etc., um, it would still put them in a precarious position and it would put them in a place where they couldn't maybe go out and get players or re-sign a guy like Corey Lindsley or potentially Aaron Jones um, in other positions of need. So it would definitely be, it's, it's a, it's a heavy decision. You, you don't go out and get a player like JJ Watt, um, unless you a have a ton of money. Um, you know, you have to weigh, you have to weigh out all, all of the options. The, the second is, is that JJ Watt is in a really, really good position right now, right? He was released early. He can get a jump start on it. You mentioned it, Andy, 12 teams want him. He has the pick of anyone he wants. I'm sure if there's a team that isn't in that list, if he called them up and was like, hey, I want to play for you, you know, that team would consider it. So he has all of the power in this situation. And I know that it's really nice and sweet and fun that he, you know, is a Wisconsin guy. And so maybe that would lean more towards him choosing Green Bay. But at the end of the day, you know, he's potentially owed like $17.5 million this year. And I just, the Packers can't pay him that. And so he is at the end of his career. This might be his last payday. And yes, I think he might want to ring more than money because he's, I'm sure, made plenty of money in his career. And that's not going to be a problem. He's going to get endorsements when he leaves. You know, He's a very likable guy. Money isn't an issue. But at the end of the day, you know, football players have a shelf life. And if this is his last opportunity to get that payday, then um, the Packers aren't exactly the best destination for that. So it's really all about what he wants and how much the Packers are willing to give up. And we just don't know inside either of those heads and if you really want to feed into the the, the uh, ch- ring chasing aspect right his brothers are both on the Steelers who started the season although it be fluky they started the season what was it 12 and 0 13 and 0 so I mean yeah. they've clearly got a good squad um, and both of his brothers play there so I mean there's another option that, that would make maybe even more sense for JJ Watt if we're going the ring chasing avenue yeah, it's not like Green Bay is the only place where you can go to win a ring. There's certainly other opportunities out there for him. And as you mentioned, Perry, he has his pick of going where he wants. And, you know, yes, you know, he was set to make 17 and a half million. He is going to get paid. And when you have that many teams that want you, I mean, Tennessee makes just so much ridiculous sense. You know, you would be able to stay in the division. Yeah. That's yeah. the exact type of player that they need. There, there's so many teams where J.J. Watt fits perfectly that there's there's no way. Uh, it's, it's almost unfathomable to me that some team doesn't just make him a ridiculous offer where Green Bay just can't even get into that right. sort of stratosphere uh, of money and discussion. And I think the other thing, too, if, if you're looking at this from Ryan Gutekunst's standpoint, is that 
you only have, you know, maybe one or two bullets left in that chamber to try to make an impact signing at best this this uh, offseason, even if they do a bunch of restructures and things like that. And do you really want to use maybe maybe the only one on a player who is, you know, in his 30s and has had a variety of injuries over the course of the past few seasons? You know, yes, it's J.J. Watt. And yes, your hope is, you know, he just finished a full season. And yes, he was still really good. But there is certainly still some concern there where you could be going, you know, in a way all in on one player and all of a sudden he gets hurt and he plays five games for you and you're really behind the eight ball because that was your one opportunity to improve the team and now it's somebody who's had injury issues in the past and those could certainly rise up again you hope not you hope no matter where he plays that jj watt has a phenomenal year this season unless it's in the division of course or unless he's playing against the packers but you want to see him do well you want to see him get that contract um, because he's been just phenomenal for football the state of wisconsin the houston area uh, with everything that he did um you know, for the the charities during the hurricanes and everything like that. Um, So I'm certainly hoping that he ends up in a really, really great spot that works for him. And if that's Green Bay, great. Uh, But there are certainly some reasons to believe where maybe that's that may not end up being the case. Yeah, I actually I actually my favorite place for him to end up aside from Green Bay, I guess, or the most realistic is the Colts, because I think him on that line would be amazing. Mm-hmm. And it would be kind of fun to see him go to a division rival and kind of screw with the Texans after, you know, everything that they've, you know, made him go through. But that's just my, you know, two cents out there. It would be fun if he's looking for a Super Bowl. A team that doesn't have a quarterback at the moment may not True. be the best. I'm not really have... thinking about the other side. I'm just thinking about, you know, him <laughs> and DeForest Buckner and Justin Houston and sick. Leonard in the middle. Like that would be an insane defense. And that's the same case for Tennessee, right? In the in the division. And uh, it would be a lot of fun to see him tear up his old, old team twice a, twice a year. We could spend another, I don't know, three hours just talking about the Texans and their last, I don't know, year, year and a half. Right. In the Unreal. Is an absolutely ugly situation in Houston. And it would be fun to talk about that. Maybe we'll get to that at some point this offseason. But, oh, my goodness, how happy is Brian Gutekunst that he did not end up there and ended up with the Packers instead. Just a, an absolute nightmare in Houston. Who They could be without Deshaun Watson. You know, they already traded away DeAndre Hopkins. They're with, now without J.J. Watts. Um, I'm going to blame them for James or, uh, you know, Harden as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, that whole city's a mess. I mean, that whole, and the, whole the Astros city, scandal, the Astros. The, right. The whole city's yeah. a mess in sports. Yeah, it really, really is. So, be, you know, Wisconsin sports isn't exactly going through the best of times at this exact moment. But uh, be thankful that you're not Houston in the meantime. All right. So we, we've talked a lot about the offseason. We've talked to, you know, some uh, about David Bakhtiari restructuring, J.J. Watt potential of him coming to Green Bay. Corey Lindsley's a free agent. Aaron Jones is a free agent. What I want to ask you guys is just what is your biggest 1A priority for this Packers team this offseason? It doesn't have to be a player. It doesn't have to be a scheme. It doesn't have to be a coach. It doesn't have to be anything. You can go in any direction that you want to take this. Um, Perry, I will start with you. What is your 1A priority for the Packers this offseason? There's so many. Um, <laughs> you you know, Andy, the video that you put out just really highlights, you know, so much, right? Like they have to restructure, but they also have to really hit the nail on the head with the draft this year. They they maybe have to go out and get a few guys in free agency. And then they have a new defensive coordinator to, to kind of bring all of the talent that they have on that side of the ball and find some level of cohesion and to me like that's what I keep coming back to is because I'm I'm starting to get into the draft right and I'm starting to try to evaluate and look at players that I think you know would fit well on this Green Bay team and I started you know with my bread and butter with with 
defensive backs. And I just keep thinking to myself, like, I just don't really know what Joe Barry is going to do. And I, I don't know if he's going to keep all of, you know, the, the assistant coaches, position coaches. I don't know what kind of scheme he wants to deploy, although you can look at his history and, and try to figure it out. And I know that, you know, some have written that he wants to employ some level of like a Vic Fangio defense, et cetera. So you can glean some information from that. But I, and I don't know if this isn't the right answer, but I hope that, we get full mini camps, we get full OTAs, we get a full off season because Joe Barry coming in as this new coordinator, like he has so many tools and he has so many weapons. And we've talked on this podcast so much about what he has to work with, what he's walking into. He's walking into a great situation. I think, um, I think the Packers are going to obviously draft on the defensive side of the ball early. I hope that they draft a cornerback in the first or second round. There's tons that I love so far, but just really thinking about, you know, how to get Joe Barry in with these players early and get them connected with him and get them learning, you know, what it is, whatever it is that he wants to do on that side of the ball, because the offense is going to be fine this next season. It's going to be great. They're going to be in year three. Hopefully they have a couple players that are healthy again and they have, you know, cohesion and Rogers is playing well. It's that side of the ball that I'm like, I wouldn't say worried about, but just have my eye on more than, than the offense. So my answer, I guess, is time and time with Joe Barry. No, no, I think that makes a ton of sense. I think that's a really smart argument. Alex, what about you? Yeah, I, I think cohesion's the right word. And since the self-proclaimed DB stand didn't claim cohesion, I'm going to steal the word from her. So, uh, But I'll go offensively with that even. And I know we'll get into it here in a minute, Andy and Perry, but uh, I, I'm just – Still kind of confused with these gaps on offense and how they will be filled. I know, you know, center is the hardest position on the field to play maybe, but it's also the most replaceable. So I'm interested to see what they do if Corey Lindsley isn't back. In the running back room, we have faith in A.J. Dillon, but who else is going to be there? That's a question mark. Again, we'll, we'll get into that. So as much as we want them to go defense and weapon heavy in the draft, it's going to be interesting to see how they fill uh, these, these different, you know, positions that might be open or, or be lacking some depth. So I, I I really just think cohesion on both sides of the ball is so big, as Perry alluded to defensively. Offense has looked good. Obviously, the high, highest scoring offense this year, the offensive line was really solid, except maybe in that final game. Uh, I just I just need to be convinced. And, and Joe Barry is such a long conversation. We're going to have so many the next six months, I bet, as we get into this Joe Barry era defensively. But, but I think it's the same thing with offense, too, because there is still a lot of question marks. And as I've said a lot the last month, I think you might have missed your best chance. So it's going to be interesting to see how they fill in the question marks. Yeah, and I think that makes a ton of sense, too. I'm torn on this one, so maybe I'm going to give two and cheat a little bit. But That's all right. My my initial my initial thought was cornerback and kind of going back with what you know Perry was saying a little bit. I just think I I really feel like this past year and especially in that NFC Championship game we saw that Kevin King struggled. We don't even know if he's going to be back. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, Chandon Sullivan's a restricted free agent. Even when he was in there, he struggled much more this season than he did uh, over the course of 2019 when I thought he played at a much higher level. We we don't know anything about about Kadar Hallman. Josh Jackson is now and really in three consecutive years disappointed in some way, shape or form where he hasn't been able to find any level of consistent playing time. 
Um, so I, I just don't know that there's any good answer outside of Jair Alexander anywhere in that cornerback room. And, uh, you know, it's it's always tough to bring in rookies. They're not going to have the money for, uh, you know, high end free agents. I just think that that is a really interesting situation and scenario where Jerry Gray is assuming he's back. I don't think there's any reason to believe that he won't be. But uh, Jerry Gray is going to have his work cut out for him. And whatever direction they go in, no matter who's back, who's not, who they bring in, who they draft, that they're going to need some serious, um, you know, improvements from that cornerback room as a whole. And then my other one, I know it's still so in vogue to talk about wide receivers. I know Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are free agents. I know Bobby Tunyon's a restricted free agent. We don't know if Mercedes Lewis is going to be back. But when I looked at this Packers offense this past season, Devontae Adams missed a couple games with injury. Aaron Jones was out a couple games. Jamal Williams missed a couple games. A.J. Dillon didn't even play in, in multiple games. Um, you, you know, there were injuries across the weapon group. Alan Lazard missed, what, like eight or nine games, whatever it was. There were injuries across this weapon group for Green Bay throughout the season. And almost through all of it, they played great. The only time when this offense struggled in any way, shape or form is when the offensive line struggled. And a lot of that was due to David Bakhtiari's injury, um, certainly against Tampa Bay at the end of the year. And really he went out in that Tampa Bay game in week six as well. Uh, when the offensive line struggled, that's when this offense struggled. And I have faith in Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur that even if there's a random group of running backs and a random group of wide receivers and a random group of tight ends, that LaFleur and Rodgers have the wherewithal to figure things out, to scheme people open, to, to get everything done if that offensive line is doing their job. And I think we saw that. We saw Tyler Irvin against San Francisco go off for yardage. We've seen, you know, uh, we've seen Dominique Daphne and Jay Sternberger and John Lovett and whomever else when need be filling at tight end to get catches. We saw MVS come up big. We saw, you know, EQ get catches. We've seen this offense win in a variety of different ways. But when that defensive front can set the tone and is consistently getting pressure and Rodgers is dropping his eyes and he doesn't have time and there's no running lanes, that just changes this offense entirely. So corner's huge. But this team goes as the offense goes, and this offense goes as far as the offensive line goes. So we know that Elton Jenkins is going to be back. We know that Bakhtiari is going to be back at some point this season. Lucas Patrick will be back. Um, but, you know, we don't know a ton else from that. Rick Wagner, Billy Turner, both are somewhat question marks as to whether or not they're going to have to restructure, or whether they could be potential releases. Bakhtiari's injury puts a lot of questions into things. Um, I, I just really want to see how this offensive line comes together. Is John Runyon Jr. a legitimate option as a starter? Because, again, this team really went in 2020 uh, as the offensive line went. So as much as I want to say corner, I might actually lean towards offensive line and how they really get that group, you know, kind of regelled together. That's a perfect answer. I mean, you alluded to just about every aspect of it, and you, you said it again, as Andy always does, better than I could ever. So well done. <laughs> um, and, and, yeah, I mean, 100%. The, I mean, and as I said with the Bucks game, right, that's kind of where we had the ultimate breakdown at offensive line, and, and then you look at the holes that were there. So, And that will continue to be the case. So, I mean, I'm, I think those are the top two, cornerback and offensive line. Whatever happens there will really set the tone for what next season will look like. A hundred percent. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think I said this to you, Andy. I wouldn't be surprised if John Runyon Jr. started games next season, for sure. I, no, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't either. No, I, I think that's certainly within the realm of possibility. I still think he... 
I still think he certainly has work to do. I think he had a couple holes in his game this past year that maybe went a little bit unnoticed, but I, you still have to be excited about how he performed as a sixth round pick when he did get in there, especially because uh, what people don't realize too, is that he spent a lot of the the training camp and uh, off season. Well, you know what there was of training camp and off season at left guard. Um, and then, you know, really came in and played a lot of right guard when the, those injuries hit like out of nowhere. I think they even said like he didn't have snaps at right guard before that first game when he got in and he went in there at right guard and played well. So um, I'm interested to see him. And I've been on the record as saying as well, I'm, I'm sticking with it. I fully believe that Green Bay's first pick this season is going to be an offensive lineman. And I believe it'll be an offensive tackle. But we will see. There's a lot of offseason still to play out. But I want to get to the topic I'm really most excited to talk about today. And that's we'll, we'll go through this in true APA style. So uh, we'll go Alex. I'm going to name a player. Alex, I'll let you just quickly say stay or leave. Then Perry, you have you'll say stay or leave and I'll say stay or leave. And if we're all on the same page, we won't go too deep into it. But if somebody is like on the, and on an island all by themselves and disagreeing, uh, then they're going to have to back up their uh, their response maybe a little bit more. So uh, you guys ready for a lightning round of stay or leave? Absolutely. Should I stay or should I go? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's party. Alex is absolutely not ready. Uh, do not subscribe to him on TikTok. That was a bad <laughs> idea from the beginning. Uh, all right. So, uh, of course, we did not prepare for this ahead of time. So we're just going to go through these with uh, no safety net because preparing would have taken time, effort and energy. So uh, we'll go through this and uh, we'll have some fun with it along the way. So, Alex, let's start with Corey Lensley. Stay or leave? He's gone. All right, Perry. Stay. I'm going to say gone. All right, Perry, you've got to defend yourself on stay. Okay, I think I just really think that if there was one more player, the Packers would re-sign and extend. It would be Corey Lindsley, number one center in the league. How do you replace him? You're you're downgrading no matter what you do. And I can envision him taking a more team friendly deal just to stay in Green Bay. That's my short answer. I agree with everything that you just said to a T. I just think. When push comes to shove and where they're at with the cap, I think he's going to get a better deal elsewhere. I think he'll take that better deal elsewhere. And I think Green Bay will say, um, you know, we can move either Lucas Patrick or Elton Jenkins. I'm actually not sold that Lucas Patrick's best position may not be center. Um, so we'll see what they would end up doing there. Um, you just mentioned John Runyon Jr. Uh, if Corey Lindsley is back, uh, I'm not sure there's a starting opportunity for John Runyon Jr. But I also just talked about offensive line being the most important position. So I'm completely <laughs> torn on this. But I do think he gets a bigger deal elsewhere. And I think Green Bay takes the comp pick and tries to upgrade the offensive line from elsewhere, as I mentioned, maybe with a draft pick early this upcoming draft and a offensive tackle rich draft. All right, let's move to Lane Taylor. Alex, starting with you. Uh, let's just go stay. I don't know. I no, probably gone. Probably gone. Let's go gone. I'm going right, to pick on that now. Stay. I say stay too. I think he's a sneaky, really yeah. strong state yeah. candidate. Yeah. All right, Alex, you got to defend your gone, your, your gone candidacy here. I, I mean, you heard me flirting with the fans, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I really didn't know which way it was, it was going to go with the panel, but I agree with you guys. I, I think it's, it's, it'd be a sneaky stay pick if he can give, a really nice hometown get discount, right? Whereas I don't think Corey Lindsley, the hometown discount isn't going to be worth what the market value is for him. So uh, I, I, I'm, I just think he might get more money elsewhere, but I know he really likes the uh, Green Bay area. I know he does amazing things in the community. So it, it could be a sneaky good pick. I'm just going to go with he's gone. 
All right. So I don't I, have I a real good defense. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we'll give you a pass on this one. But um, I just think with the state of the Packers offensive line, especially if Corey Lindsley does go, um, I mean, a, a vet minimum deal for Lane Taylor. There's I don't think there's any team that's going to pay somebody for he just missed literally the last two seasons almost entirely uh, with injury. I don't think there's going to be any team that's lining up for that. I think he has more value uh, both for him and for the Packers uh, to yep. make that deal than anywhere else. And I think with the depth needed this upcoming season and oh, by the way, he looked freaking awesome at right guard before he got hurt, which really sucked that he went down early in the season because he looked awesome there uh, playing it for the first time since high school. So I'm going to say back. Um, let's go Mercedes Lewis. Perry, we'll start with you this time. <laughs> stay. I want everyone to stay. Apparently, I don't actually feel this way, but definitely stay. <laughs> All right, Alex. Yeah, I'm with Perry on this one. I think he stays for one more year. I think this is the biggest, uh, easiest no-brainer left. I think he stays. Um, they basically signed him to the exact same contract the last two times. I think he gets the exact same contract this time. And the, Matt LaFleur loves him. They got him the Mercedes Lewis jersey for Christmas. Uh, Aaron Rodgers obviously loves him. I can't imagine him not being back this season. Unless he retires, which he said he doesn't want to. So that's already out of the equation. All right, Alex, Kevin King. Twitter's been telling me he's gone. I'm going to agree with Twitter on this one. We saw how he, and you know, there might be the injury debate in the NFC championship game, but uh, I, I, yeah, I think he's gone. No doubt. Barry. Definitely gone. Like so gone. Yeah. hundred. Yeah, I think so. I think it was just point of no return after that last game. I think that was the final nail in the coffin. All right. A couple lesser ones here, but let's go through them anyway. Uh, Alex Tavon Austin. Uh, I think he'll be around for camp, but I think he'll get cut. So as a stay, technically, right? All right. Yep. Alex, I actually completely agree with that. That's exactly what I was going to say. All right. I guess I'm going to be on the outside looking in here. I think he's gone. I don't think he showed anything as a returner. I don't think he showed anything necessarily as a weapon. Uh, we'll, we'll just actually transition to Tyler Irvin right here, because I think both of these guys are probably competing maybe for uh, yeah. for one spot. And I think Tyler Irvin makes a lot more sense. I think he showed more as a returner. I think he showed more in the slot. I just think yeah. Austin doesn't necessarily bring anything to the table anymore. So uh, I will say Tyler Irvin is a stay. However, Alex, uh, for all the exact reasons you just stated, I'm going to take the opposite side. I'm going to I'm going to say he's gone. All right. Yeah, I think it makes sense for the Packers to bring him back, especially with the state of the running back room. You know, you get A.J. Dillon and potentially you get Tyler Irvin. You already know what his role is in this offense, and it would just it, it would just make a lot of sense. All right. Snacks, Harrison Perry. Mm, gone. He, he came. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, I mean, he came in. For what? The last three games thought maybe he'd get a Super Bowl. He'd never really want to play in the cold. I don't think he's coming back. I think that's fair. Alex? Yeah, I'm with Perry. I, I don't, I, I'm completely, yeah, everything she said is right. I, I agree. 100% agree. Does anyone want to make a strong argument for either Billy Wynn or James Burgess being back? No. I'm going to take that as a no. I'm going to yeah. take that as a no. Yeah. No. Um, Montrevious Adams. I'm going to say Montrevious Adams is back on a minimum deal, uh, Alex. Yeah, I think it's going to be small as well. That's that's a, maybe not so much as sneaky as, as the ones we talked about before, but I agree. Yeah. Perry? Well, I don't think so, just given what he's shown and how he can't stay healthy. But I also think that if you look at who's actually rostered on the defensive line, the Packers are really weak there uh, and need the depth. So he could possibly come back. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one as well. I mean, he actually really started to flash this past season when he got some snaps. So I mean, I think they bring him back. I, I don't necessarily think he's a lock to make the 53, uh, but I don't know how much value he's going to have anywhere else. Green Bay might just say, you know what, we're ready to go in a different direction. But um, I'm, I'm going to say he's back. Uh, Jamal Williams. Perry, let's start with you. Oh, now we're getting into the tough stuff. Uh, here we go. Yeah. Um, Stay. Buckle up. All right, Alex. Yeah, I, the new he signed a new agent this past week. I think that means there's more money in the sea. I'm going to say he's gone. Yeah, I really, really think that Jamal Williams is gone as well. All right, Perry, you got to defend yourself here. Um, okay, I unfortunately think that Aaron Jones is the one that's gone. I know I'm jumping the gun here. So I can, if the Packers want to keep at least one of them, um, it would probably be the be Jamal Williams. He'll be less expensive. I think he likes playing for the Packers. I think it feels like home to him. He has his space, but I also agree with you both that he could potentially actually be like a number one back on another team and get the money that a number one back deserves. So I wouldn't be surprised if he decided to go elsewhere. Um, Big B, if you're listening, cover your ears. I actually think Jamal Williams (laughs) is very overrated. I just, I don't know. Oh, wow. And I think he's a really nice player that is going to be able to pass protect for you, catch out of the backfield. I think he showed a better route running ability this past year. I just don't think he has anything dynamic in his game. I mean, there's it's really tough for him to get anything, you know, 20 yards plus. He doesn't have speed. He doesn't have explosion. He doesn't have any move, you know, go to move in the open field that makes people miss. Um, he's he's kind of a, you know, see, you know, he's going to get what's blocked for him in a lot of different ways. I do think he's really good at screen passes. I think that's one of the things that he does do very well as well as again pass protection but um I, I just do not see him as a starting caliber running back i think even if he was back i think aj Dillon uh becomes the the starter in that situation so uh i know i might be on the the outside there but i've just kind of always felt that way i think he thinks he's more valuable than i think he is and i think green bay is going to see um that uh, that maybe it's time to go in another direction but we shall see aaron jones wow. i am also I know. So sorry, Big B. I hope you had earmuffs on while you were listening to that. If you were listening, uh, Aaron Jones, I am also going to say gone. I think both running backs are gone. Alex, what about you? I'm right there with you, Andy. I think they're both gone. And Perry, you kind of already said you're thinking just Jamal Williams, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously, if I had my choice, I'd prefer to have Aaron Jones back. But I also want him to go get the bag and the Packers aren't going to give that to him. This is one of the more just like... Both him and Corey Lindsley. I mean, if both of those guys aren't back, which I I think there's a decent chance that that happens, like both of those guys are just like the ultimate Green Bay Packers. And I mean, it's 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 like similar to Randall Cobb, right? Right. Um, Or Jordy Nelson when he went to the Raiders. Like you just don't want to see those guys in different jerseys. You still cheer for them. You still hope they do well. Um, You hope they go to an AFC team so that it makes it easier and, you know, don't end up on like the Vikings or Bears who love collecting former Packers, it seems. (laughs) And, uh, you know, those sort of things. But it's just it'll be really tough to see those guys leave because you we can talk about the, you know, salary cap gymnastics and, and all that sort of stuff all we want. But at the end of the day, both Lindsley and Jones are just freaking awesome players and you hate having to see them leave in any way. You're even talking about them potential leaving in any way, shape or form, even if it ends up being the case. It just is one of those things that sucks. It does. And it's interesting too. like, let's say Jamal and Aaron Jones both go. It's like a whole kind of like running back era that the Packers had that's just gone. And I think it mostly just from like a larger picture standpoint, just shows you like windows are small and you know, you, you got to take advantage of the players that you have while you have them because either they're going to 
outperform your ability to pay them or you're going to realize that, you know, what they're if they're not worth, you know, keeping around. So it would just be a weird kind of changing of the guard if uh, all of a sudden it was A.J. Dillon as the number one. It would be. It, it, and it, it certainly seems like that is within the realm of possibility. So another one of those really interesting positions to keep an eye on this offseason. Let's quickly go through some restricted free agents just as um, a primer. Um, if they did want to tender these originally, uh, a first round uh, restricted free agent tender is about $4.8 million. A second round tender is $3.4 million. And a right of first refusal tender is $2.1 million. Um, so uh, let, let's just put it this way. I'm going to name uh, some of these restricted free free agents. Um, I'm going to keep Bobby Tanyan separate and Tanyan, excuse me, in just a second, but I'll start with Tyler Lancaster, Will Redmond, Chandon Sullivan, Perry Nickerson, and Raven Green. And Perry, I'll start with you. Anyone on that list, again, Lancaster, Redmond, Sullivan, Nickerson, or Raven Green, uh, that you think are worth either a first, second, or right of first refusal contract offer? No, <laughs> I don't. Maybe Raven Green could get the last one right of first refusal because they do like him when he stays healthy, but I can't see any of those other players staying. All right, Alex? Yeah, I was kind of in the same boat. Raven Green's the one name that really pops out to me. Lancaster maybe, but I, th- I think exactly what Perry said, the right to first re- uh, refusal for Raven Green is the, really the only way I, or only one I see happening. All right. I think to me, there's two. I think Raven Green's within within striking range of that, especially with being that hybrid safety linebacker. But also Raven Green has been massively injured through the course of his career. We talked about J.J. Watt being injured. Like Raven Green has not stayed healthy literally ever. So that's really tough pill to swallow. I think Shannon Sullivan's the other. I think if you look at 2019 Sullivan and even, you know, some of the, you know, better games from Sullivan in 2020, this is still a starting nickel corner over the course of the last couple of seasons. And when you don't have much on your roster outside of Jair Alexander, um, two million for that type of player on a one year deal, non guaranteed, certainly seems like it could be within the realm of possibility. Remembering that you, it's non guaranteed, so that if you get to the end of the the 53 man roster cutdowns and you just think you have better corners because you drafted guys or brought other players in, you can release them or maybe even trade them for a, a conditional pick at that point. I think he has is at least within that conversation as well. Um, it wouldn't surprise me with any of those players we just named green nickerson sullivan redmond or lancaster if they said to all of them we're not going to tender you we want you back for cheaper and i think you know and if they go out and say because basically they just become unrestricted free agents at that point and say hey if you find uh deals elsewhere you know awesome if not we would love to have you back and i'm going to say that lancaster sullivan and green are back with green bay in some capacity i just don't think necessarily on those original tenders Here's my thing, though, about Chandon Sullivan, and I, I do agree with you. I just think that and and understanding the rules of how this works is important because if they can bring him back and then, you know, end up choosing other options, then I think that's the route that they go. But just this draft is so cornerback heavy and very sure. specifically like nickel slot cornerbacks or they have got some really really talented options that could be an upgrade from him so that's the only reason why I felt that Chandon Sullivan wouldn't come back because I think that they if they went that route and again I I can't see the Packers all of a sudden not playing a ton of nickel and dime all of a sudden so uh, I think that they go that route in the draft. 
All right. I think that's a really well said point. Uh, so let's talk about Bobby Tunyon, because I think this is a really interesting one. I don't think they can get away with a right of first refusal because I think some team would obviously sign him. He was an undrafted free agent. So if they lost him with a right of first refusal, yeah, they could match it. But Green Bay doesn't have a ton of cap space. And if some team would all of a sudden, you know, put a, a contract together that Green Bay can't match, they lose their literally first good tight end since Jermichael Finley, or I guess maybe Jared Cook for absolutely nothing. Um, and then it gets to kind of that interesting you want to give him a second round tender for 3.4 million or a first round tender for 4.8. I tend to think that there's not going to be a team that's willing to give a major contract and a second round pick for Bobby Tunyon. I know he's good. Um, I just don't know that he's that good that he would, you know, require that sort of offer from a team this off season. So if I'm green Bay, I'm going to take the risk and put a second round tender on him at 3.4 million, that 1.4 million, uh, you know, that they would save by not giving him the first rounder uh, certainly could come in very handy as the the cap is so tight this season. Um, And I just don't think some team's going to give up a second round pick in a major contract that you wouldn't match. So I'm going to say second round tender. Uh, Perry, what about you? Yeah, I completely agree for for all of those reasons. Alex? I'm right there with you guys. I I don't think the first round, you know, it makes any sense as you alluded to. And I don't think any team would give up a second round tender. So you're, you're absolutely correct. I think Tanyan's a Packer. And I, again, I think this is a guy that, uh, they'll lock up no matter what. Yeah, I think I think he'll definitely be back, and I think they'll figure out a way to get it done. It's just kind of more of a logistical first or second round, and I think they can get away with that second round pick on him. All right, uh, I think that does it for us. Oh, wait, there's one restricted free agent left that we didn't talk about. Oh, Tim that Boyle. Was, I wonder that, who that could be. Yeah, who could it be? Who could it be? Tim, Timmy Boyle still sitting out there as a restricted free agent. Uh, as much as I love to talk about Tim Boyle at any given opportunity, I do think this is a really interesting conversation. As I've brought up on uh, the video a couple times already, but uh, they have been very high on him. Brian Gutekunst has said that they think they can win football games with them. They've spent three years developing him up until this point. He was easily, easily, easily the backup over Jordan Love this past year uh, coming out of training camp. That's not just me saying that. That's literally everyone who was there uh, saying that. Um, he was the sec- He was the backup all season. Uh, Jordan Love never was activated for a game. Um, and now you risk, you know, if you don't tender him, you risk just losing that investment up until this point. Um, if you put a right of first refusal, again, you could lose him. Uh, in, you know, putting a second or first and paying that type of money for a potential number three quarterback is not an easy thing either. And it's also not great if you are giving Tim Boyle snaps as the backup quarterback and losing out on development opportunities for Jordan Love. And you know that I mean it if I'm saying that. So uh, this is a really interesting decision. I'll start by saying I think they tender him um, with a right of first refusal. And I think they try to get something out of him for, you know, via trade at some point. Maybe they can coax a seventh round pick out of Dallas, uh, you know, with Mike McCarthy, who coached him for a year, uh, seemed to like him at the time. He knows what he's capable of. Uh, They don't really have a backup. Andy Dalton's going to be a free agent. Maybe they can pick up a pick that way and and get something in return. Uh, But I do find it difficult to believe that they would just let him walk without nothing. But uh, maybe you guys can talk some sense into me. Alex, do you have any any different take here? Yeah, I think they're just kind of praying there's a preseason, right? I mean, you want to see some quality snaps out of him as well as you want to see quality snaps out of of Jordan Love. But there's a problem if Jordan Love isn't the backup quarterback to Aaron Rodgers next year. So I think he's back, but they're going to try to get some value out of him, as as you mentioned. So I'm right there with you. I I think it's confusing. It's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the offseason develops as to what the quarterback room will maybe look like. 
Um, I think he's around, but I, I just don't know how long he stays because Jordan Love absolutely has to be the backup quarterback next season. All right, Perry. Yeah, I as someone who was didn't hate the Jordan Love pick like everybody else did, I would be really, really upset. Yeah. Jordan Love wasn't QB2 next season because then it's like, what did you do that for? Um, and, and as much as I appreciate Tim Boyle and everything that he's brought, and he has been, I think, a really nice backup to Rodgers, if you have all three of those guys also, like you're putting a lot of money into the yep. quarterback room, and that's a lot of money that you, you could be using elsewhere to actually give Aaron Rodgers another shot at a ring, right? So it's not any offense to Tim Boyle, and I, I think that he would be, like Andy said, a great backup elsewhere but it's just it's time to say yeah we we took someone in the first round and we actually have to like put in the time and the work and the money because he's a first round pick and you're paying him like first round pick to develop him to be the actual backup i'm gritting my teeth as i say i completely agree and i i think that's the right potential move it's it's really tough to keep him on the roster and take those snaps away from jordan love if you want to develop him and, and keep him as a potential franchise piece moving forward over the course of whether it be three four five years from now whatever it may be he still needs those snaps as the second guy because if he's the third you're just not getting any snaps with even scout team at that point it's definitely time to elevate him and see what he can do should Aaron Rodgers get hurt. I want to yep. go through these lightning round. I'm just going to give, uh, you know, each of the, uh, we'll, we'll go, kind of go around the room, uh, but these are potential cuts and may, some of them are more realistic than others, but uh, we'll just go right around and say whether or not the, they will stay or leave as well. So uh, lightning round, Alex Zedaria Smith. He'll be back. Uh, Perry Preston Smith. Gone. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go Adrian Amos. I'm going to say he is back. Um, Alex, Billy Turner. Oh, that's a tough one. I, I, I'm going to go with he'll be back, but I'm not positive on that. All right. Perry, Christian Kirksey. Gone. Um, I'm going to say Dean Lowry is gone. Alex, I think you get the toughest one in Rick Wagner. I think he'll be back as well. And this is going to be a really interesting one. Uh, Perry, Mason Crosby. What? Back. Right. <laughs> you know, he's a really interesting one, though. They, uh, just, because- they just gave him a new contract. All right, fine. You win this round. Uh, I'm going to say Devin Funches is gone. Uh, Alex, Josh Jackson. Oh, that's a fun one, too. Uh, I'll, I'll say he'll be back. All right. Perry Oren Burks. So gone. And I'm going to say the weapon, J.K. Scott, is also gone. I just think they need somebody a little bit more consistent. Yeah. That weapon has been more like a squirt gun than any sort of uh, J.K. 47. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think he is gone as well. Uh, that was a lot of players to talk about. I, I guess before we, yeah, before we kind of get out of here, of those guys that I just mentioned, Zadarius Preston, Amos, Turner, Kirksey, Lowry, Wagner, Crosby, Funches, Jackson, Burks, and Scott. Um, any one of those guys that you got, you know would want to go into in a little bit more detail on, or do you feel like we did enough with the the lightning round? I mean, obviously, we, we've spent our time on Preston Smith all season long. I think a, a lot of us, at least in the Twitterverse, and obviously all three of us, I see, I think, seem to agree with that one. Um, it seems like he'll, he'll be gone just given the, the circumstances. Kirksey's in kind of an interesting one, but it seems like, you know, Andy, I, I obviously the video we keep alluding to, um, uh, you know, that you put out. A lot of people saw it. If you haven't, you're missing out. And at Andy Herman NFL, um, you, you wrote him off as a goner. I'm curious as to why. Yeah, I mean, I just think if you look at 
how Green Bay needs to get under the salary cap and to be able to do anything different. I just think that the the four lowest hanging fruit moves are Wagner, Kirksey, Preston Smith, and Dean Lowry. I, yeah. I just I think normally all four of those would have been completely no brainers unless any of them take a massively reduced deal, right. which again I'm not necessarily and I want to be very clear. I'm not hoping that anyone has to take less money. I'm not hoping anyone would have gotten, you know, get cut. I'm not hoping anyone loses their jobs. That's never what I'm about. Uh, but this is also a really difficult business and we do have to talk about these things. So I think those are the the four uh, easiest decisions to make to try to get under the cap just based on performance last year what their salary cap hit is and what green bay needs to get to i think the only wrench that got thrown into that was rick wagner with him really playing well uh, for the vast majority of the season right. and then also uh the um david bakhtiari injury and him potentially being out for you know who knows you know maybe half the season maybe a little bit more maybe a little bit less we don't know but that that really puts a potential wrench into what you want to do at that offensive tackle position as well um, so I think that's the really interesting one. I would, as we sit here today, again, unless there's a, a major, um, you know, restructure of some sort, I would be beyond shocked if Preston, Dean Lowry or Christian Kirksey were on the team and, and not released sometime in the near future. Well, also with Christian Kirksey is that we have the, we, the Packers have two young linebackers that they're really excited about. And Joe Barry is a linebackers guy. That's like his, how he came up in the league. So to have Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin to sort of work with is very exciting. Uh, and also Christian Kirksey's, I think, injury history reared its head again this season. So it doesn't make any no. sense. My only thought, honestly, is again, going back to like the defensive line depth that the Packers lack is potentially, you know, why they would maybe bring Dean Lowry back. Maybe they could restructure him so the cap hit is less. But that's really just from a depth perspective, not because I think performance wise, it makes sense. And let me ask you this. Rick Wagner's an easy an easy, uh, you know, potential to keep back uh, because of how he played this last season. Let, let's go back a season just off the top of your head. I know Preston Smith had the fumble recovery for a touchdown on the fumble that basically fell at his feet and he ran it into the end zone. Right place, right time. Outside of that, Dean Lowry, Christian Kirksey, Preston Smith. Is there a play off the top of your head that you can remember of like, wow, well, we can't replace that. That like there to me, there's no. just nothing. And no. I, I'm no. not saying that they're bad players, but they, they just, you know, all of them underperformed in some way, shape or form. Dean Lowry usually comes up with a handful of those each season. He did not this last year. He I played. Sack. That was really fun, but that's because the offensive line decided not to block him. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. And that, I mean, that's what it seemed to be for those type of players. And, um, you know, he, he, there's always going to be this constant churn in the roster and when you look at guys who underperformed and have decent sized salaries and are older in age uh, let's be real with Preston Kirksey and Dean Lowry 99.9% of the time underperformance plus high age plus high contract is see you later as as tough as that sounds as tough as that is uh, and that's why you know you mentioned Mason Crosby and uh, you know we talked about um, Rick Wagner as well that's why those two are tougher because both are higher in age uh, both have you know high salary caps for their position or at least, you know, int interesting salary caps for their position. Uh, but both of them played fantastic last year for the yeah. most part, which is why those are much, much harder. And Billy Turner, to some extent, is within that conversation as well. So I, I think those are going to be the interesting ones. And like I said, I I'd be shocked if, if Kirksey, Preston or Dean Lowry are back, barring a major restructure or release and re-signing on a lower deal. All right, guys. And oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead, no, go no, ahead. I was going to say, I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers brought in a kicker or two during camp to see if they wanted to keep somebody around just because of Mason Crosby's age. But 
kicker finding a good kicker like him is so hard we watch other teams go through like missed kicks and doinks and just an absolute carousel and so like when you have someone like mason crosby who's just been money for like 99 percent of his career i just don't yeah. see them moving on from that no i mean they've, they've tried it before haven't they right i mean we all have the name giorgio tavecchio burned into our brains <laughs> because they they gave that a shot so yeah, I mean, it's possible they bring a guy or two in, but uh, I'm with you, Perry. I think he's back. I agree. I think that, that makes a ton of sense. All right, guys, uh, any final thoughts before we get out of here? No, I'm just ready for some actual football news. I'm ready for free agency to open in about a month and get this offseason started. I'll uh, end on this. I'll end on this. Johnny Manziel running a touchdown in for the Zappers. Uh, that's not news. How is what is this league? Uh, I, that, I don't want to see that football. Just like the AAF, just like the XFL. I just want the NFL. I'm sad on this uh, this this brand new Monday, not after the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm with you, Alex. We need NFL football. It is our oxygen, but uh, we have you all covered who are listening right here on the Packaday podcast to give you your daily fix of NFL and Green Bay Packers because we all need it for our sanity. So make sure to stick here and subscribe if you have not already. Make sure to check out the video version of the Packaday podcast uh, over on YouTube or PackerReport.com. That is going to do it for us, for Perry Goldstein, for Alex Strofe. I'm Andy Herman. Thank you so much for listening, but until next time, and as always, Go Paco.